So we love kids here at Cross Point. We, uh, we value them in lots of different ways. We have younger kids in our service uh, every week, and then uh, the last Sunday uh, of every month, we bring even younger ones in here. We have a high value of kids. We love celebrating kids, because kids are great. Kids are, kids are amazing. Uh, toddlers, so cute. Infants, babies, like we love all of it. And so um, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to have kids, but it's obviously also a challenge. Because they require so much maintenance. I mean, you got to do everything for toddlers and infants. They can't do anything for themselves, and you got to teach them everything. You got to you got to show them everything that they're doing, and and so it's a it's a lot of hard hard work. And I know that some of you are in the stage right now where you have a baby, an infant, and maybe it's your first baby or infant. I mean, we can we can tell, right? I mean, the, you're you're glassed over eyes, all that, and you you haven't slept. You don't even know what sleep is anymore. It's like a good night's sleep is a rumor. Like whoever said that, right? that they were comparing a good night's sleep to sleeping like a baby, obviously didn't even know what a baby is, right? Like, that doesn't even make sense, slept like a baby. Yeah, you didn't, oh, you slept horrible. Okay, so I, let me give you some encouragement. If this is your first time right now and you got a baby in your house and you, like, wish you could sleep and all that stuff, let me just tell you, it gets better. I promise it gets better. In fact, it gets better every time you have another kid. If the Lord wills and you have more kids, every kid gets a little bit better, a little bit easier. With our first child, Tammy and I were up all, all night, like it was all hours of the night, we're trying to rock, trying to feed, we're trying to do everything, change diapers, everything, just figure it out, like what's going on, we're trying to you know, make it stop, you know, like that kind of stuff. But man, every time we had a kid, it just seemed like we got better at it. When we had my, our third child, Dub, I remember waking up like the first week into having Dub, I woke up in the morning, I'm like, wow, Dub slept through the night, and Tammy said, no, you did. So it got better for me anyway. It got easier a little bit. Like it's, it's a challenge. It's such a challenge. But as much of a challenge as toddlers when like, you know, they don't know anything. You got to teach them every single thing. They have no idea. They don't know how to walk. They don't know how to eat. They don't know anything. And you got to teach them all the stuff. But there's something that's really cute about it. Even though they don't listen, they're horrible listeners, there's something really cute. So even though they forget, when it does seem like they're listening, they forget immediately what you just said and that you have to tell them again. It just seems cute. The fact that they don't know right for wrong, you get them out of the car and you have to hold their hand or they're going to run right out in front of a car. Like, there's just something cute about it when they're toddlers. But if you're an adult and you're still acting like that, that's not cute. <laughs> That's concerning at best if an adult acts like that. Let me, let me just give me an example. So if you showed up at, um, at work one day and it was lunchtime and you went into the break room and some, some coworker sat down and pulled out his lunchbox, and I don't know who this is, but her name's Vera, so I don't know. Um, if, if they pulled out his lunchbox and he said, hey, what are you eating? And you're like, oh, I got my turkey sandwich and ruffles because, man, I love ruffles. Those are so good. And he said, yeah, I brought beef today. And he pulled out this can of beef, oh, sorry, beef with gravy, <laughs> you go, oh, but you fed your kid this, right? So that, it's got bubbles and everything. If he pulled that out, you're like, wait, what, so what's wrong with this guy? If he's like, yeah, that's not, and you're like, ooh, that looks disgusting. And he says, oh, you don't like beef? Well, that's fine. I got chicken. Here's chicken. It's a pouch of chicken. It, you can't see this, but it says free range chicken. <laughs> Free range is such a distant memory for that chicken right there. So, <laughs> you know, like, beef, here's some chicken. Um, maybe, maybe that's your thing. And he's like, yeah, but I know, I mean, I, I need a well-balanced diet. So he brought, you know, everybody's favorite green beans. 
that are more like a drink than anything else, like green beans. I got veggies. Don't you worry about that. I got all the things that you need. Uh, and he says, you know, I got a fruit. So I got bananas. Bananas already have texture issues. <laughs> and this is not making it better right here. And you're like, that's what you brought for lunch? No, no, I got dessert. Don't you worry. I got dessert. I got uh, apple, raspberries, and avocado. That's the dessert combination you guys are missing right there. Apples, raspberries, and avocado. Like, that's a dessert. You're like, oh, okay, what are you going to wash all that down? Well, don't you worry. I got my sippy cup with milk. If your coworker puts that out as his lunch, that's not cute. <laughs> that's one of those things where you go, does our company do background checks? <laughs> are we sure we're really, like, that, that's a concern. That's very disturbing if that's your coworker's lunch. Because, man, you know you're not supposed to keep eating that as an adult. You're not supposed to keep acting like that. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to teach the people through this letter. And he's trying to teach some pretty significant things about Christ being the high priest. And he stops for a minute and he's like, but I'm not sure you're ready to learn that because you're kind of like spiritual toddlers. And some of you, he says, need to, you need to grow up. You need to keep moving. You haven't, you haven't grown which is the goal that God has for us. He wants us to grow. And, and you know, at Crosspoint, we love the fact that we see so much growth in this body all the time. People are growing, people are moving, people are serving, people are doing the things. But every now and then you see a passage like this in your scripture and you begin to stop and you go, okay, am I, am I growing? Am I moving on? Uh, am I more like Jesus right now than I was a year ago? Am I closer to Jesus now than I was five years ago? Am I moving? Am I growing? And there's just these passages that kind of just wake us up and give us a chance to self-assess and go, man, am I really growing? Or am I, in some ways, could I be considered like a spiritual toddler? And so he, he talks about that and he gives some characteristics of spiritual toddlers that are in this text. And one of the things we want you to do here at Crosspoint is open the text and keep it open so we can walk back through it. And so Hebrews 5 verse 11, he starts talking about spiritual toddlers in, in some ways and he gives some characteristics. And the first thing he says is spiritual toddlers are unwilling to listen. So look at verse 11. About this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. Now, here's what he said. In the passage right before that, he was talking about Christ being the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was this king in the Old Testament. We don't, it's kind of confusing his story. We don't know a whole lot about his story. And as he's talking about Melchizedek, he stops and he says, you know, I have a lot to say about this, but I'm not sure I can explain it to you. But he doesn't say, I, I don't know if I can explain it to you because it's so deep, you just can't get it. That's not what he says. He doesn't say, oh, this is so intellectual and you guys aren't that smart, so you probably won't get this. No, what he says is it's hard to explain because you've become dull of hearing. And the phrase dull of hearing really means lazy. It's talking about being sluggish. It's talking about not doing the work. You guys know, listening is, is a skill. And it takes intention. We think that we can listen while we're doing other things, but we're not listening that well. We think that I've got my phone, I'm scrolling, and somebody's talking to me, and I'm really listening. But you know you're not. We miss stuff all the time. Listening, you got to focus in. you got to really pay attention in order to listen well. And what he says is that these guys are not able to understand what he wants to explain to them because they're not good listeners. They're not doing the work of listening. And so he's challenging them. Hey, don't, don't be a spiritual toddler because spiritual toddlers are not... They're not good listeners. They're unwilling to listen. They're not doing the work. 
And I, and I say that to you guys as a challenge, but I also say that as a commendation because, man, our church, we have this culture of listening. We have a culture of learning. We have a culture of people wanting to come and learn. I think people find our church in a lot of ways because they hear, hey, these guys are just preaching through God's word, verse by verse, passage by passage, and, and that's why people are here because you want to learn. And I love that about our church. I love that about our youth group, uh, this launch box thing that we did a couple weeks ago over spring break. My friend Brad Cardwell was teaching our students, and Brad works with me at Igo and Kai, uh, me and Kai at Igo, and Brad was teaching our students, and the first night I said, man, how do you think it went? And he said, man, I think it went well, but it was, it was actually kind of a challenge because our students, I couldn't make eye contact with them because they were taking notes the whole time. And I kept trying to tell a story and like, hey, look up here just for a second. And they were just writing stuff down the whole time. And I'm like, what an incredible thing to say about a group of teenagers. That they were writing stuff down. They were taking notes. They are just, man, they were, it's hard to even make eye contact because they want to learn everything they can. And just so you know, our students do that on Wednesday nights too. They take notes on Wednesday nights up here. They're learning God's word. We're creating that culture even in our teenagers. My daughter has shown me the notes that she takes from Wednesday nights, and it's crazy. It's like, wow, that's pretty good. And then I think that she's taking notes while her big brother's teaching, and it blows my mind. It's like, I didn't even know this was possible. Like, God is good. So our students are doing that. Our culture is kind of built it. But here's the question. Are you? Like, and, man, try not to look around right now and see who's not taking notes. Like, it's, it's okay. But are you doing the work of listening so that you can teach others and show others what it looks like? I mean, I think the way that you do that is you set yourself up for success. You, you open your copy of God's Word and you get a journal or you get a journaling Bible so you can write stuff down and you're taking notes. Like, that's why we put stuff on the screen so that you can write it down and hopefully help you remember what you learn later because we tend to forget our attention, pan, uh, attention spans are small. So do the work. Write it down. You got kids sitting next to you, teach them how to take notes. And sometimes that just means like, hey, listen today. And as the preacher's talking, like draw a picture of something that he's talking about. You know, we drew pictures of Jonah and the fish a while back. Like draw a picture of something that the preacher's talking about so we can talk about it later. And if there's nothing for them to draw, then one thing that I've seen a lot is that you can just draw a picture of me. Apparently I'm easy to draw. I'm a stick figure with glasses. So just have them draw me. Like they do that all the time. And people hand me these pictures. I'm like, oh, thanks. Wow, that, that's what I look like. That's cool. So... And then when they draw a stick figure with glasses preaching, and you go, okay, that was cool. Pastor Shu was preaching today. Did, was there something he said that you remember? And then we're conversations, but you're teaching these kids how to sit and listen and take notes and point it to them. When they see you taking notes, guess what? They want to take notes. They want to write stuff down. Spiritual toddlers are unwilling to listen. If you want to grow, you've got to develop that skill of listening and, and being intent and in how you do that. The other thing that uh, he says here is that spiritual toddlers are unprepared to teach. Look at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. By this time you ought to be teaching somebody. But no, we have to keep backing up and teaching you the same thing over and over again. What does that sound like? sounds like a toddler. You have to tell them the same thing over and over and over again. They, they don't get it. They keep forgetting. He says, don't be like that. You ought to be teaching somebody by now. Here's the question for you. Who's, who are you teaching? Who are you sharing with? He's not talking about standing up here in front of everybody. No, you don't have to do that, right? He's just talking about who are you sharing truth with? Who are you encouraging? Who are you helping figure stuff out? Who, who are you walking with in that way? If you know a little, share a little. If you know a lot, 
share a lot. But let's, let's continue moving on. Let's co- continue to pursue. Let's keep growing by, by being teachers. And, and here's the principle behind that. And some of you know this really, really well. When you teach, you really, really learn. Like when you're responsible for teaching something to somebody else, the learning gets really serious real fast, doesn't it? When I was in high school, my youth minister uh, came up to me one day, and he, uh, one Sunday, he said, hey, next Sunday is Youth Sunday, and you're going to teach the senior adult men's Bible study, Sunday school class. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> but he had, already, like, he had already signed me up. It was too late. He didn't take no for an answer. He's like, yeah, Youth Sunday, which I don't know if you guys know that back in the day we had Youth Sundays, and we let the st- students take over the whole church for one Sunday. A student would preach, a student would lead worship, and students taught all the classes. They did the ushering. They did everything. It was crazy that we did that, but also really cool. And he said, you're teaching senior adult men, the oldest men in our church. You're going to teach them. And I couldn't get out of it. And so he handed me the material. And I mean, guys, I learned that material. I knew it inside and out, frontwards and backwards. I knew it upside down. I knew it every way. Why? Because I was scared to death. That they were, that these guys know so much more than me. I was 16, maybe 17 at the time. I was like, they know so much more than me. I'm going to know this. I learned so much that week. My youth minister didn't tell me it's not as hard as you think. It was so easy. I asked one question, and the class just took off from there. I, I didn't do one other thing. I asked a question, and they just talked and talked and talked and talked. And it was an hour, and we we're like, man, I'm the best teacher ever. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> but, man, I knew that material. And, man, when you teach, you really learn. When, when you're responsible for teaching and sharing something, I mean, you go into this. I, I love it when people come up to me, and I'm not asking you to do this. I just, like, I have conversations every now and then when I preach, and people come and go, man, Lance, that was cool. I never really saw that in that text before. I never thought of it that way. I've never learned that before. It was new to me. And I'm like, yeah, it was new to me, too. I learned that this week. You understand, I'm learning as we go. I'm not, oh, I know all this. I'm just here to impart some wisdom to you. That's not how this works. I'm learning as we walk through Hebrews. And as I learn and see some things I need to do better, I'm sharing it with you in hopes that God uses it to help you because he's helping me because I'm learning this. This is what this looks like. So as you teach, you learn. That's a huge way that you learn and grow. But it's way bigger than that. It's a great benefit to you, and it's a great way that you can learn and grow as if you teach, but it's, but it's so much more than that. Here's a quote by Raymond Brown in his commentary, The Message of Hebrews. He says, it's not merely that they, the teacher, the people that are supposed to teach, do not benefit personally, because we do. If you teach, you learn, you grow, but it's not just that you benefit personally. Look at what he says, but even more serious Other people are denied the help which they might have received from them had they been strong and resourceful believers. See how big it is? When you're not teaching, when you're not sharing, other people are being denied the wisdom that you could give them. Other people are being denied the help that you could give them. This whole thing is set up for us to do together. It's for us to learn together. It's for us to grow together. That's what it's set up. And so when you're not sharing with others, then other people aren't benefiting. And when no one's sharing with you, you're not going to be able to grow as much. Like, we're supposed to be sharing with each other. And, and here's what I love about this is that he says, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but he's really vague on what that time limit is. He doesn't say by this age or after this many years following Christ. He just says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. It, could, it means that they're probably not brand new converts, but remember, you know a little, share a little. You know a lot, share a lot. By this time, you ought to be teachers. There's no age limit 
requirement on this. Our students in our student ministry are constantly being challenged to lead and to serve and to share with others. At LaunchBox, we had students that were in high school that were serving on the student leadership team, and they served as leaders at LaunchBox, so they were leading their peers. They were serving their peers. They were were sharing and teaching their peers alongside them as they served together. That's how this was supposed to look, and students are doing that, and always in our church, and children's ministry with their peers, and, and a bunch of different ways. It's supposed to look like that. Who are you teaching? Who are you sharing with? Who, who is it that is looking to you and you're helping them along in community and all the different things? Don't be a spiritual toddler who's unprepared to teach. And the next thing he says is the spiritual toddlers are unskilled in God's word. Look at the end of verse 12. He says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. What he's talking about, word of righteousness, the word of God, that you're, you're unskilled in your ability to read God's word and study God's word for yourself. So what do you need? You need to go back to the sippy cup. And you need the, the, the food spoon fed to you because you haven't learned, you haven't grown up to where you can feed yourself. And he's saying, it's time to move past that. And... I love it that you come and you're ready to listen, you're ready to learn because you trust that we are just preaching and teaching God's word and we're doing that the best we can with accuracy. But man, if you really want to grow, learn how to read God's word and study it for yourself. Man, watch your growth escalate. You move from this food to solid food and you start really seeing the growth come. This may be the essential nutrients, but man, there's so much more out there for you when you start to learn how to feed yourself. And that that seems to be what he's talking about here, being skilled in God's word. Our fifth and sixth graders are in something on Wednesday nights we call Team Howard, and we call it that weird name because they're studying a book by a guy named Howard Hendricks called Living by the Book, and it teaches you how to study God's word. So they're learning interpretation, observation, application. I got that out of order. Observation, interpretation, application. That's what they're learning. Read God's word. Interp- observe. See what it says. Look at it. And then interpret what it means. And then apply it to your life. It's great to teach our fifth and sixth graders that. Some of you may need to grab that book. Because you don't know yet how to really read God's word and study it and learn it and understand it for yourself. You, you need to learn these principles so that you can be skilled in the word of righteousness, become skilled in God's word. And that's, that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about learning to feed yourself, learning to read God's word and study God's word. Now, sometimes what keeps us from doing that is we think, oh, I, I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. Well, there's tools and there's resources out there that can help us with this. Plus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us. Some of you are not doing it because you just think you don't know how, but you're not even trusting that the Holy Spirit will teach you as you read God's word. So let's be people that are not like spiritual toddlers unskilled in God's word. Let's learn the skills so that we can grow in the way that he wants us to grow. And then this last characteristic of a spiritual toddler that he gives us is that they're unable to discern. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the mature believer, the one who's growing in his faith, he sees right and wrong, and more often than not, nobody does it perfect. More often than not, he's choosing the right path. Here's the writer of Hebrews saying, Jesus is better, Jesus is better, Jesus is better. Don't stop believing that. Don't stop trusting him. Keep on following Jesus. Don't turn away because he's better. And as you grow in your faith, you constantly are reminded, yeah, he really is better. I don't need to go that way because his path is better. 
I don't need to chase after that because it won't give me what he can give. And the spiritual toddlers are the ones that are lacking discernment. I don't think it's because most of the time it's not because they just don't know right from wrong. It's because they think that the wrong path over here, the path away from Jesus, will actually give them something it can't. And I say they because it's me too. Like I've done that before. I thought for some reason in my immaturity, my lack of growth, I thought, well, if I go get this, then I'll really have what I'm looking for. And it's a dead end because it doesn't point us back to Jesus. And anytime we walk away from him to chase after something else, it's a lack of discernment. It's a lack of growth. It's a lack of maturity on our part. And he's saying, no, 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 grow up. Move past the spiritual toddler phase so that you can... Be, be willing to listen. Be a good listener, that you'll be prepared to teach and share with others, that you'll be skilled in God's word and you're able to discern the right path for you, that Jesus is better and you'll follow it. You have, you have ammunition against temptation because you know God's word. And you're growing. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. I want you to see this in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. This is going to be on the screen, so you can write down the reference and look it up for yourself later. It's a good way to learn. But just walk through it as I, as I kind of point some things out to you. He's talking about the church. And he says, God gave the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why did he give the church leaders? Here's why. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the members of the church for ministry. Every member is a minister. Everybody has a role to play for this to work properly. And so God gives the church leaders to equip the saints so that they do the ministry. And we're all doing this together. And then he talks about this vision of what our lives could look like until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we become more like Jesus together. And look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children who lack discernment, so he says they're tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Children have a problem discerning the right path. And we don't want to be children. We're growing together. So look at what he says in verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love to each other, here's what we're doing. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body... Joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, when we're all playing our role, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, here's the deal. He's saying, you and I, we individually grow. And as we individually grow, collectively we grow. Our church grows. We become more like Christ. We become a better blessing to the community. We're, we're more on mission. We're more inclined to follow Jesus and stand for what Jesus is for as we grow together. So we grow individually, and uh, as we do our part in the church, we all grow together, and we're growing up in Christ together. And so all this warning and all this self-assessment, it leads us to this challenge of, hey, here, here's what we do. Let's grow up. Even if it's just one little area, you need, let, let's, let's focus on it. Let's grow up. Let's grow up together. And specifically, when he changes to chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, this next paragraph, it says, let's grow up as we build on the foundation of the gospel. Let's grow up by building our lives on the, the solid foundation of the gospel. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Therefore... Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith in God, faith toward God. 
let's leave behind the elementary teachings. He's not saying we move past the gospel into something else. What he's saying is you got the foundation of the gospel, now build your life on it. You don't move away from the gospel, you just go deeper in your understanding of the gospel, and then it begins to shape all of your life. The gospel foundation is that Jesus Christ, when we repented from our sin and put our faith in him, he rescued us. We were cut off from God, we were separated from God, and he brought us back. And now because of that foundation, we don't keep going back and doing the same thing over again. When the foundation's there, you start building on it. And now that the foundation is there, let's build our lives on that foundation, on the gospel. So let me give you one example of that. There's countless, but let me give you one. In our culture, our identity is such a big deal. I got to find my identity. We, we, we have all these ways to, uh, to kind of claim an identity. And, and what the gospel does is it gives us the only identity that really matters. Because we were separated from God because of our sin. We were enemies. We were, we, we were uh, aliens. We were strangers. We were cut off. We didn't have a place to belong. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. And Jesus died on a cross in our place so that he could bring us back to God. And he could make us right with God. And now we were enemies and strangers. But now we're friends and children of God. We're part of his family because of what Jesus did for us. And that's the gospel foundation of who we are in Christ. And then you build your life on that identity. So when the world is telling you to find your identity in this or that or whatever other kind of thing that won't really matter, so superficial, or when the world is saying, hey, you need to fit in with this group or you need the uh, approval and the acceptance of this group over here, you keep running back to the gospel and you remember, no, 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 I have acceptance and approval because of Jesus from the only one who really matters. And then it shapes everything. It shapes how I view the world, how I, how I respond to it. I don't need the approval of these people. It's so bad that I'll do anything. No, because I have the approval of God because of what Jesus did for me. And so my identity continues to be built on the foundation of who I am in Christ. So much so that when I interact with the world, I know what a child of God is supposed to look like and act like and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to approach the people. And so I live my life differently because of who I am as a child of God, as a Christ follower. Because of what Jesus did, my identity is forever changed and I build my whole life on that truth. And so that's what we're called to do. Let's grow up as we build on the foundation of the gospel. But don't miss this. We need to grow up by, build it, by trusting God to help us. He walks through the basics here, verse, verses 2 and 3, about baptism and laying on of hands and resurrection of the dead. And then verse 3, he says, and this we will do if God permits. <laughs> I love that. Because this is a reminder that, okay, you're, you haven't been growing, and you, you're kind of like spiritual toddlers, and you need to grow, you need to move on. <laughs> and you will, because it's God's work in you. God started this work, and he has promised that whatever he starts, he will finish. So the secret is that we pursue, and we actively try to become better listeners and teachers and all these things, and then we trust that God will do what only he can do through us to make us more like Jesus, that he's going to cause us to grow as we're following him because it's his work in our lives. So let's grow up by trusting God to help us. And then this... This, 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 all this truth really kind of comes to this one point for me, and that's this. Let's grow up so we can experience the life that God has for us. God's not giving us all this growth. Here's what you need to do to grow just because he wants to give us rules. <laughs> He's given it to, for one reason. He wants you to experience life the way it's supposed to be lived. 
He doesn't want you to miss out on the true abundant life that only God can offer us, the satisfaction, joy, fulfillment that only comes from following him. When our students served at LaunchBox, they gave up so much for spring break and all these sacrifices that they make. They didn't come home talking about the sacrifice. They came home talking about the best week of their lives. Because when you're following Jesus, you're not missing out. Like you're, you're right where God wants you. You're finding this is the way life is supposed to be lived. This is how it makes sense. This is what matters. And you're growing in your relationship with him. He doesn't want you to miss out. Like he doesn't want you to stay here. If this is all you eat, if this is your source of protein, if this is beef, like it's going to blow your mind when you finally have a ribeye. You ain't ever coming back to this when you taste a ribeye fresh off the grill. And he wants so much more. If this is all you eat, you're missing out. Missing out on all the flavors, all the things that God has for you. He has so much more for us. That's why, just so you know, we don't create activities and events and programs here because we just feel like we need to be busy. We do all that stuff so you can know God, be known, and make him known. We, so you can be a disciple, so you can grow in your relationship with Christ. So parents, how much of this do you want your kids to have? How much of this Jesus, following Jesus, do you really want for them? What, what's more important in their lives than that? When they're kids, you want them learning? Do you want them doing this? When they're, when they're students, like that's why we want them at the things because these events and these Wednesday night programs are designed to help them grow so they don't become spiritual toddlers, so they don't miss out on the life that God has for them. So don't miss out. Continue to pursue him. Move, move past this. And let me just say this. and I, Man, I really want you to hear this. If you haven't grown in a while, and this is kind of uncomfortable a little bit today because you didn't come prepared to take notes or anything, like, and you're like, man, I really haven't been growing. I haven't, I, or maybe you've been moving backwards. Maybe you've been pulling like a Benjamin Button, and you've been going backwards. I used to do a lot of things, but now I don't. If you're not growing, here's the deal. God loves you. He loves you right where you are right now. He, he, you can't even imagine how much he loves you right where you are. I mean, a, a good parent doesn't look at a toddler and go, yeah, I love you, but man, when you start growing, I'll really love you a lot more. <laughs> That's not a good parent. A good parent says, hey, yeah, if you don't grow up, I'm going to stop loving you. No, that's not parenting. That's not good parenting, and God's the perfect parent. And so he looks at you right now, and you haven't been growing in a while, and he goes, I love you right where you are. But he loves you so much he doesn't want you to stay there. He loves you too much to let you stay there. He wants you to grow because if you don't grow, you're missing out. If your kids aren't growing, they're missing out. I I know it sounds like me, but that's what God's word says. So let's be the people that continue to pursue, that move away from this and continue to pursue all that God has for us and grow in our relationship with him and in a knowledge of his word. Let's do all those things so that we can be the people that experience the life that God has for us. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for all of it. We need it, God. I pray that you will help us if, we're, um, if we realize today that there's some areas where we haven't been growing. Uh, I pray that you'll point those out to us so that we can, um, we, we can give some attention and time there. And we can trust you to help us grow and with that whole process. God, I pray that you'll help us to be hearers of the word and not just 
not just hearers, but also doers. And uh, I pray that as we follow you and as we grow, it'll be for your glory and our joy as we find the life that you really have called us to. And we pray that in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.